Are we, are we live now? I'm recording. You're Mom listening to Mumbrella Cast. Mumbrella Umbrella Cast. Cast. Welcome to a special edition of the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Tim Burrows, joining you on one of the most significant days for Australian media in at least a generation. Look, this is a very exciting day for two, two companies. Um, two companies that various times over the last few years have probably been written off by people in the media, um, but two companies that have successfully innovated, adapted and changed our business models to reflect you know, what audiences are doing and what the market's doing around us. Ultimately, the deal proposed today is, we believe, the best outcome for our journalism, for our employees, our business and, of course, our shareholders. We believe that Nine is a great home for the mastheads. Nine, like us, has a long and proud tradition of quality journalism, and the scale of the combined business will provide more opportunities for growth and expansion of news and journalism in this country. So those were the voices of Nine boss Hugh Marks and Fairfax CEO Greg Highwood in what must be the biggest day in both of their careers. Over the next few minutes, we'll be unpacking what Nine Entertainment Co.'s multi-billion dollar takeover of Fairfax Media actually means. Australia's most iconic TV network and some of the country's most respected newspaper mastheads will be brought together for the very first time. Arguably, News Corp will no longer be Australia's biggest media player. With me to talk about all of this is Mumbrella's editor Vivian Kelly. Hi, Tim. Senior media reporter Zoe Samios. Hello, Tim. And news editor Paul Woolbank. Hello, Tim. We'll be attempting to ask some of those big questions, but let's let's get to it first of all about how the news broke. Zoe, how did it all unfold? Well, it actually kicked off on Nine's breakfast show, the Today Show this morning. So when we came in the office so innocently, we turned on the television to find Ross Greenwood, who does the finance section of the Today Show and is also a 2GB radio host, talking about this merger of effectively one, two of the biggest companies in Australia. Well, at least Nine got the exclusive. Yeah, Nine did get the exclusive, not surprisingly. And shortly after that, as I began writing that, we we got a notice from the ASX. So it very much, it kind of evolved in the space of five, ten minutes. It was very, very quick thinking. And so many thoughts are going through your head when something like that breaks in that moment. Well, let's just talk about some of the assets. Um, let's start with the Metro newspapers. So let, w- which are the main Fairfax newspaper mastheads involved? I think the main news Fairfax newspapers that we probably need to look at are The Age, the Sydney Morning Herald and the Australian Financial Review. So the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age are Sydney and Melbourne's respective newspapers and Australian Financial Review is a national paper. Um, I think its biggest competitor is News Corp's The Australian. So those are the three big uh, assets involved from a Fairfax Media newspaper perspective. Then you have uh, in the, let's call it a merger, we'll talk about whether it's a takeover or a merger later, then you have the regional newspapers as well, which again, Fairfax has quite a few. Yeah, there are. So Fairfax has a number of regional newspapers. I think the Newcastle Herald is one of the ones that has won a number of awards recently as well. So obviously for markets beyond the metro cities, they're an incred- Fairfax Media has an incredibly vital presence um, and they will be affected as well. Then, uh, and there are so many assets involved and we're still on just the Fairfax titles. Radio, now 
let's talk 2GB. Let's talk Macquarie Sports Radio. Your favourite topics. Uh, so Fairfax Media in 2015 merged their radio assets with Macquarie Radio Network, I think it was called, and they formed what is now called Macquarie Media. So when we're talking about radio, those are the stations that include 4BC, 6PR, 2GB and 3AW, and they also include Macquarie Sports Radio, which was a station that we've talked about on this podcast that was launched earlier this year, replacing Talking Lifestyle, which ran uh, for a couple of years. So Fairfax and Media- And before that, 2UE as it Yeah, and be. before that, 2UE as well. So Fairfax Media has, I think it's something like a 49.5% stake. No, I think it was actually large. I think it was a major- just a narrow majority Just a narrow stake. majority, Okay, that must be um, John Singleton and Mark Carnegie's stake, the other side of it. Um, But they have a sizable stake in in Macquarie Media. Uh, We have spoken to Adam Lang this morning and we have had confirmation that should this merger proceed as expected, uh, that majority share will go over to Channel 9 and for them it is business as usual. And, of course, what makes this super interesting is the move to Macquarie Sports Radio a few weeks ago didn't seem to make much strategic sense at the time. But Nine's Three Pillars, News, Sport, Lifestyle, suddenly it feels like there could be an awful lot more material for Macquarie Sports Radio now. It does. It fits in quite well with their sort of overall strategy. I mean, I don't know, I don't believe that Macquarie Media was particularly, I'm sure that it was very tight-lipped, all of this process, and and Macquarie Sports Radio was probably birthed out of something much earlier. But I definitely think that having Nine's assets in there, you know, they've won the tennis this year, so they'll have access to all of that sort of content. Uh, the cricket's coming to an end. They've still got some stuff there. So you can definitely see that it fits into Nine's wider strategy. Hugh Marks, hasn't, who's the CEO of Channel Nine, hasn't outlined which businesses will be they will sell their stake in or uh, sell off as of yet. But if you're talking about complementary businesses, Macquarie Sports Radio actually would fit in quite well with Nine's strategy. Viv, let me bring you in. Then on the Nine side, of course, we've got the TV channels. We do have the TV channels, obviously, the main one being its namesake, Nine. Uh, but they've obviously increased their focus on the digital channels as well with Love Island recently. So the likes of Nine Go, Nine Gem, they're really pushing those as a total TV thing. They're not just the content that you see on television. You'll often hear Nine talk about how they're not a television company. They're an entertainment company. They're a content company. So this definitely feeds into all of that. Then, of course, they have their other publishing access uh, assets, Zoe. They do. So they obviously have their digital website, nine.com.au, and within that they have various, I guess, pullouts, Nine Finance, The Fix, I could go on. There's so many. They also have Nine Honey, which was sort of rebranded recently, actually, but has kind of established itself as a women's lifestyle website. And more recently, too, they they've quietly launched uh, Future Women, which is a subscription website for women in business. I think they're hoping that businesses will also invest in that platform for the benefit of their female community. And then also intriguingly, and I guess part of the logic of this, Viv, is Stan. 
Well, Stan is a subscription video on demand service that some people speculate was meant to stand for 7, 10 and 9 and was initially meant to be a joint venture between Australia's free-to-air television networks. I don't know if there's any truth to that speculation or if we've sort of retrospectively found that that works. But as it stands, Stan is a joint venture between Fairfax Media and Nine and perhaps that was the very first indication of, of where we were heading with this merger. So, Paul, let me bring you in. They are politely calling it a merger, admittedly one where Nine has uh, more than half and Fairfax, therefore, has less than half. Um, uh, Paul, crikey, their, their lunchtime newsletter, as we're, we're recording this, had just recently dropped. They led with RIP Fairfax. It's a takeover, isn't it? Oh, most definitely. Uh, apart from that 51.1% that's going, that nine are taking, the, the operational Hugh Marks is becoming the CEO of the business. Peter Costello. And Hugh the Marks, chief. of course, was the boss of nine. Of course, yep. And uh, Peter Costello, the former federal treasurer, who's the chairman of nine, is going to be the chairman of the combined business. So you'd have to say that that's a pretty clear indicator that this is a takeover. And Viv, another clue to that is the Fairfax name's going to go. Well, yes, it's difficult to think of it as a merger when the new entity is simply called Nine, which is why Crikey has gone with RIP Fairfax. Should the deal proceed as it's in its current form, Fairfax won't exist anymore. The Sydney Morning Herald will be printed by Nine. The company will be called Nine. The head of Nine will be Hugh Marks. There's really not a lot of the Fairfax legacy in there, no matter how much you spin it. The Fairfax name doesn't exist. Zoe, I think Greg Highwood in the in the various sort of press conferences and, and, and investicles you listen to argued, didn't he, that there'll be some Fairfax DNA in the new, or a lot of Fairfax DNA in the organisation? Uh, so I spoke, I listened to both the investors' calls, uh, the investor call and the media call this morning. There are a couple of things that came up. One of them was the idea that uh, the independent charter that Fairfax has always had will be brought into nine. Another was the fact that, you know, the mastheads that we spoke about previously, the Sydney Morning Herald, the Age, the AFR, would also be coming into nine. So with that, you'd still have, you know, those heritage brands and you're not losing what Fairfax once stood for. Greg Highwood also said that, you know, Fairfax Media as a brand name was just a corporate brand that, you know, it was really the mastheads that were the thing that that have made Fairfax Media its success. Well, that's a fair point, isn't it? You know, the Fairfax family are long gone. Yes, the Fairfax family are long gone. And while the company itself and the, and the mastheads within it have stood together for a number of years, his argument was that hey, it's just, that's just the overriding body. We're not getting rid of the papers that have made the business what it was. They are all still going to be here. But that wasn't the same reception that we saw on Twitter from the journalists. And do we, I don't think much has been publicly said, but do we know whether Greg Highwood will stick around after the merger? Doesn't look to me like there's a place for him. It's our understanding that he's not going to stick around once the transaction's been finalised. That's our understanding in saying that he did dodge a number of questions on the media call about whether he'd already taken a leave package. He could not give an answer on that. So I think we can assume that Greg probably wouldn't want to work underneath Hugh Marks, um, and that's totally fair enough. And I'm sure that there's there's probably a big pay packet at the back end of this. Well, morning. look, over the years, he's become very wealthy through through leading Fairfax anyway. Um 
let's talk about another one of the crown jewels which we haven't yet domain how does domain fit into this viv well domain will be absorbed into nine along with fairfax's other assets domain is Fairfax's real estate listings and content portal. In Sydney, it's very easy for us to think of Domain as the number one player in the real estate space because it's so big here. But on a national level, it is very much second fiddle to REA Group's realestate.com.au and News Corp has a majority stake in REA Group. But even though it's second fiddle, Australia's love of real estate content and buying and swapping properties has meant that Domain for a long time has actually been one of Fairfax's most profitable and most headline generating assets. So it's a different uh, asset for Nine to have. And I guess they love property through things like The Block? Yes, there's so many opportunities for integration there. Nine loves all things property when it comes to The Block and their new property show, Buying Blind. So I think we will definitely see integrations and cross promotions and all things like that but domain does have a long way to go if it's going to catch up to rea group and perhaps the weight of nine might help them do that it all feels like it's coming down to two big blocks of media now doesn't it everywhere we're going to look it's going to be on one side nine the other side news core yes it certainly has reshaped the market in terms of who we think are australia's biggest media players Traditional thinking was it's Fairfax v News Corp. That has completely been reshaped and this whole deal brings nine up against the likes of News Corp. And over the next five or ten years, it will be really interesting to see who is thought of as Australia's biggest and most significant media player. At the moment, I think people do default to News Corp largely because of the behemoth that is Rupert. But in 10 years' time, I wonder if that will still be our default thinking. Well, we are right now in the middle of merger mania. A lot of that was triggered by the changes in the media ownership laws. Uh, Paul, what did they used to be and where are we now? So the old rules were that you could only have two out of three of broadcasting, of radio broadcasting, television broadcasting or print in any given market. You could be the prince of print or the queen of the screen. That's right. That was Paul Keating's line, I think it was. And that was brought in in the 1980s, interestingly enough, in that um, fallout from uh, News Corp getting out in the Herald and Weekly Times. Now, there's no dead cert it will go through. There's a bunch of regulators who have a say. Uh, Let's try and work through some of them. So... Uh, almost straight away, the ACMA, the Communications and Media Authority, jumped straight in. They certainly did, and they said it all met uh, the requirements that uh, of the reformed media package that went through at the end of last year, and they were very quick to do that. And uh, you have to salute them for looking after their uh, minister's interests, I've got to say. The ACCC shortly afterwards came out with a statement. So this is the Competition and Consumer Yes, um, uh, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission have come out uh, since that the ACMA statement and said that they're going to be launching their consultation on that in the next few weeks. So and that will be seem fairly routine or could it be a blockage or don't we know? It, we don't really know, although it's hard to see because as Viv's um, just discussed, the there's not a great overlap between um, Fairfax and Nine in the marketplace. A few places where they do overlap, but uh, you can't see major competition problems here. Other regulators, um, Zoe, let me ask you about the Press Council, because obviously that's a voluntary body, very broadly focused, uh, funded in the main by News Corp and Fairfax. Now, we saw Seven a few years back 
pull out because they they made the argument they're an all media organisation. They'll have their own ombudsman who works across Seven West Media, whether it's you know Seven as the network or the West Australian, which they own. Um, what? If anything, do you think it will mean for the press regulator? Could you see nine sticking sticking by it when it only regulates the newspapers, not the TV side of things? I think you know. It, I think these are part of the part of the negotiations that Hugh Marks will have with Greg Kywood. They'll have to be talking about these sort of councils. It'll be interesting to see what Hugh does. I'm not sure if he'd pull out because it only regulates newspapers. I think Fairfax Media and the journalists at Fairfax Media will be watching closely to see how much Nine actually cares about those newspapers and those print products. I think maybe pulling from the press council would indicate that they're not concerned about, you know, those errors or those, I wouldn't call them mistakes, but, you know, errors of judgment when talking about ethics and all of that, if he's not that keen on, you know, being focused specifically on that part, maybe that it just talks to the fact that he's not as focused as Fairfax media people would probably like him to be on that side of the business. And then, Viv, let me bring you in. Um, we've also got News Media Works, which, of course, is the sort of the marketing body of the newspaper industry. Well, I think when we're talking about the regulators here, it's important to note that this entire thing is completely unprecedented for Australian media. So it's very difficult to predict whether or not the ACCC will see a competition issue or where the various regulators and courts will stand because, as Paul just discussed, these are new laws. It's a new framework. It's a new reality. We don't really have anything to compare it to. We had the ACCC last year block a proposed merger between two outdoor companies, O Media and APN Outdoor, but this is just a completely different ball game. We're talking about way bigger players. We're talking about assets across all types of media across the whole country. So we can't predict what the ACCC will think. News Media Works, I'm not sure of their particular thinking, but regardless, I know that they will be advocating for the continuation of the print products and spruiking the benefits of print and nines newspapers. They are very keen to sort of promote the independence of journalism and, and the value that those bring. Again, it will be interesting to see how that works when it's owned by a different media player. Paul. And another point on that too, Viv, is that uh, we've got the ACCC running their digital platforms inquiry at the moment. And probably what we're seeing with that is this fallacy of creating these barriers between print, between digital platforms and between television and radio, that uh, they're all coming together now. And your point, Tim, about the press council and the complaints process there all of a sudden we're seeing this whole fake news on social media, the digital platforms, uh, uh, the use of um, the use of uh, the advertising revenues and so on. Uh, this is all coming together in, as Viv says, an unprecedented way. Let's talk about the strategy behind some of this. The, I, I guess the, the, the rationale that, that ASX investors would, 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 would look to, Zoe. Nine, I think, have got a fairly simple to understand, even for me, strategy, which is news, sport, lifestyle how many boxes does 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 this merger or takeover tick for that well i think it kind of fills out what is already existing so from the news side of things you know nine.com.au and nine's nine as a television station obviously have their broadcasters their journalists that are working hard every day you've obviously got very strong brands in 
Sydney Morning Herald, The Age, AFR and the regional mastheads that Fairfax obviously has as well. It feels like that's solidifying the news front. Obviously, sport, more access to content. Um, again, it's really filling that out. And lifestyle, I mean, Fairfax has got their own lifestyle uh, publishing businesses and, you know, what you can see now is not so much a pull away but a very much a build-up and, and solidifying Nine's position in those three categories. You, you touched on it already, Zoe. Um, we saw the launch of Future Women this week. I... I must admit, I felt a little underwhelmed. I couldn't, I couldn't see yet what was compelling about the offering. It was a, you know, it was a paywall strategy, effectively. Um, where does that tap into Nine's strategy? Well, I think at the time that it was launched, and perhaps before this negotiation was done, was just a, you know, Helen McCabe, who is the founder of Future Women. You know, she was really passionate about this and, and the story was that Hugh Marks just gave her the go-ahead. So I don't know if it strictly fell into anything. It kind of fell into lifestyle a little bit, but it was sort of more serious than lifestyle. There was a lot more of a focus on businesses and building women up. What I think is interesting now is I think straight away of the AFR and, you know, the strength of that among Australian businesses, you tie in those together and maybe you've got more of a compelling offering. Another wrinkle similar to that is we're, we're very shortly due to see the launch of a new joint venture between Foxtel and Nine. Uh, what started life as the Sky News business channel becoming your money on one of Nine's digital channels effectively. You've now got these two companies as bitter competitors whilst at the same time over on the nine side as you say we've now got the afr expertise sitting there a you wonder whether people at nine are thinking oh we actually in bed with the right people right now b how would news call be feeling about this do you do you, do you think we'll see them unwind the joint venture look i wouldn't be surprised at this point, uh, Hugh Marks has said this morning that at this point there will be no changes to that joint venture and its imminent launch. And presumably when he signed off, he must have known this was in the offing. Well, we're not sure because the the understanding was from the investors' calls is that this was only an agreement that was put to Fairfax Media earlier this month. It's not actually been, or so they're saying anyway, it's not actually been one of these six to eight months thought out process. They were talking about early July that um, Hugh Marks and Greg Highwood met up to talk about this deal. So I'm not sure if it was uh, an afterthought of Hugh's or if he's kind of thought this through in terms of how it's going to look. But I think there's a lot to be said about how everyone's feeling in this situation. I think this comes back as well to my point that it's a new unprecedented reality in that a lot of the media companies are thinking they can be competitors and cooperatives at the same time. So we've just seen News Corp and Fairfax announce that they're going to be sharing their printing presses and finding synergies and all of those buzzwords in that way. A lot of media companies, when the media reforms passed, weren't even sure whether they wanted to be a buyer or a seller or to do a bit of both, grab one here but offload this elsewhere. So it's not necessarily something that has to be unwound. I think that media companies want to be frenemies, for want of a better word. They 
want to be competing in some ways, but have their fingers in various pies at the same time in case something else comes up. And it all comes into the bigger piece, I think, which uh, Hugh did mention today, which is we've got to fight against the big digital media giants. This is not a war against Australian media businesses. We have to be as strong as we can be to combat the likes of Facebook and Google. So this isn't a debate about a News Corp affair, Fax in 9 or 7. This is a debate about Australian businesses against bigger players internationally. That's a great point. And, of course, rather intriguingly, the, the boss of Google has just gone over to head up Domain. So he's just changed sides, he, he now discovers. Honestly, it's hard, Jason to keep Pellegrino. Up, it's hard to keep up with this game of musical chairs at the moment. Even as we're recording this podcast, every time I mention a company name or a person, I have to check that I'm saying the right one and that the right person is in bed with the right person. It, it's very hard to keep up. And in terms of everyone cooperating, of course, you know, great example is Sky News, which until relatively recently was jointly owned by Seven, Nine and Foxtel. News Corp now, of, of course, owns Foxtel, the majority of Foxtel. So there have been these, uh, these, those, these cooperatives before. But one of the stakeholders, of course, are the shareholders. Uh, what has the share price or the, or the share prices for both Nine and for Fairfax done? Uh, the immediate response from sh- Nine shareholders wasn't good. Uh, the shares dropped uh, 6% straight away. And at one thirty, so five hours after the release of the news, uh, we're down 9%, which interestingly brings Nine to about the $2 billion mark, just slightly ahead of Fairfax, who are up 10% um, at one thirty. So uh, good news for the Fairfax shareholders, very bad news for the Nine shareholders. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? You often get that sense that share markets don't like people overpaying in deals like that. And of course, there was a fair old premium in the uh, in the deal. It, I think also it uh, speaks of how little confidence the share market has in the future of newspapers and the print side of it. So uh, when they see Nine getting into bed with Fairfax, they mark Nine down and they mark Fairfax up because they see the broadcast side of it is a much more promising business than the print side of it. Look, good outcome for Fairfax shareholders, probably a vindication for Greg Highwood on the journey he's been with the company for the last seven years or however long it's been in terms of uh, creating value, unlocking value, floating some of domain on the ASX, all of those things, which means that people who stuck with the business have now pretty much got to the point where they were when the, uh, when the, when the GFC hit. Um, how about for journalists? How about for the public? How about for public interest? The end of the Fairfax name? It's, it's not good news for everybody though, is it, Viv? It's such a different discussion when you're talking about outcomes for shareholders versus outcomes for stakeholders in terms of those who have a vested interest, whether it be as an employee or a consumer of the product. I remember a few months ago, I wrote a story about Fairfax's and Domain's financial results when it was that crazy time of ASX media releases and everyone talking about their financial performance. One of my stories had a bit of a negative skew in terms of how many Fairfax people had lost their jobs, how much had changed within that media organisation. And I got a bit of pushback from Fairfax where they called me up afterwards and they said, well, Vivian, you were on the investor call. You heard how thrilled the investors were. This is a good news story. All of the investors commended us for how much we'd cut out of the business, commended us for how much we'd gotten costs down. That's because investors want to make money. But to get those costs down, you have to get rid of people. You have to consolidate. You have to change what you're producing for the public. So I know that the journalists aren't 
thrilled. Kate McClimate, who's one of the Sydney Morning Herald's most notable investigative reporters, tweeted out this morning showing the note to staff from Greg Highwood that was singing the praises of Nine, singing the praises of the deal, and sort of the only mention of Fairfax was, I'd like to thank everybody for their contribution to Fairfax right at the bottom. And her point was, after over 150 years, is this all we get? Is this it for Fairfax? And I suppose to Zoe's point, you know, the argument is the brands, the mastheads, the SMH, the age, AFR, they live on. They do live on, but I think naturally with any merger, synergy, acquisition, whatever word you want to put around uh, what's happened today, people are going to be scared. And I don't think that's limited to the Fairfax media side. I think there's plenty of nine journalists that would be wondering if they're going to be replaced by the print journals as well. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of uncertainty. There are a lot of people in both of these businesses. It's going to be a time of massive change for both of them. And I as a journalist myself, I'm wondering, are there actually going to be many jobs for me in future? Because when you're consolidating like that, and there will be consolidation, there has to be consolidation here. You kind of, if I was at Fairfax right now, I'd be sitting there very concerned about the future of my job. Viv, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Because you can look at, for instance, the precedent over in Western Australia, where um, Seven West Media have brought together the, the Seven News team and the West Australians team into one newsroom. Yes, that will definitely be something that Nine and Fairfax would be looking at. And that comes back to what it means for the public. I think Fairfax have done a really good job of rebranding the Sydney Morning Herald and making its tagline independent always. And the age as well. Which has resonated with audiences. I think that's going to be more difficult as a sell to the public that you're independent always when you're owned by another media company, something as simple as, for example, if there's huge public backlash against Married at First Sight or Australian Ninja Warrior takes an absolute tumble in the ratings, will the public want to read Fairfax's spin on that now? Because is it independent always, especially if the Nine newsroom is together with the Fairfax newsroom and somebody's got to be writing a tongue-in-cheek wrap-up of Love Island for a, a nine property and writing the TV ratings for the Sydney Morning Herald, or are they going to default to News Corp instead because they're not associated with Mind nine? you, they were always absolutely hopeless on cross-promoting each other just between the Sydney Morning Herald and 2UE back in the day, for instance. Well, maybe so it wasn't even lack of bias. It was just the, the two sides of the business didn't seem to talk to each other. Maybe Nine will sort of bring some marketing clout to, to help fix that. But public interest journalism will be very interesting to see with this, especially with the crossovers with Channel Nine news and, and the newspapers. There's just so many different parts now. It will be interesting to see That's how they communicate. Point. And I'm going to bring Zoe back in in a moment, but for you just, just, just raise something which is interesting there, actually, which is a really... Good thought. I would have said that broadly, and, and maybe Fairfax got a little bit better in recent years, but Nine is the better marketing organisation than Fairfax. So I wonder with some of the marketing brains there, whether that's actually something which could benefit Fairfax titles. Look, Nine has done a phenomenal job at, at turning its narrative around, which in no small part is to do with their marketing and communications strategy. They 
even managed to turn around the Love Island story from the media talking about how it was a complete flop to suddenly people in the media, even within Fairfax titles, spruiking it as the future of television. That's good marketing. That's good comms. That's good PR. Nine has gone from sort of being the poorer cousin of seven in in a lot of people's eyes to when you introduced this, I think this podcast, you called it Australia's most iconic TV network. So that is a transformation. I felt worried that I was going to annoy someone at seven when I wrote that. And now you've brought even more attention to it. I'm definitely in trouble now. I was just going to go back to sort of what you were I guess it ties in with marketing and stuff, but talk about the audiences here because I think that the nine audience, the, the person that consumes the 6 p.m. bulletin is very different to the, the person that sits down with an 8 a.m. paper be it on a tab, a tablet, a phone or whatever, you're talking about two very different kinds of audiences. And while from an advertiser's perspective, and Hugh banged on a lot about this today on the phone, there's, you know, integration opportunities. Uh, there's a huge, huge benefit. I think they're looking to have 20% of advertising spend in Australia for above the line. You can see that the audiences are going to be so different there and can you merge them are you going to have to keep it separate they did address the fact that for the time being they would not have a joint newsroom that is for now but let's just see what happens in a little while and what's the audience going to be is it going to be the audience that nine's always dealt with the ones that love reality tv the 6 p.m bulletins or is it going to be the one that wants to be informed about global affairs wants investigative features you know loves a good detail of a merger like the afr's max mason loves writing every time things like this occur they're just very very different kinds of audiences let's move back to greg highwood paul Greg's legacy. He, he was a journo back in the day. That's right, Tim. He was with the AFR and, in fact, he's an economist by background. So following that classic AFR, bringing in the subject matter experts into journalism, then went on to be editor-in-chief of the Sydney Morning Herald and uh, then down to Melbourne for the age before being appointed CEO in 2010. So he's got a pretty good pedigree there. Within Fairfax, he's been a very divisive figure. Um, he's been very quick publicly to say, hey, I'm a working journalist by background as opposed now a to Maserati driving working exactly right. that's right that's right. certainly what we all drive <laughs> yes that's right um, but unlike some of his predecessors at Fairfax who had, uh, didn't have that sort of pedigree and that sort of understanding of the industry and probably put Fairfax back in that digital transformation back 10 years and Zoe what about Hugh Marks I mean we'd had this sort of history of the TV networks of these massive personalities who'd come up from inside networks over the years and then Hugh, when he took the helm of nine, it was slightly from the left field. Well, I think his final role, or the one that everyone talks about at least, was his involvement with Grant Blackley in a, in a talent agency business called RGM. Hugh'd previously been at nine. He'd led, uh, he was, I think, the director of films and TV. He was also the CEO of Southern Star Group, which is now Endemol Shine. So he's kind of come up the content side of things as opposed to, I don't know, a business background and economics background or anything like that. I think that's worked in his favour in terms of Nine's strategy and building that out and 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 being really focused in on that. Uh, but he's definitely a very different kind of CEO to perhaps some of the other executives in the Australian media industry. 
And look, two really interesting things happened when Hugh Marks was appointed CEO of Nine in 2015. One is that uh, Mumbrella wrote about five things you need to know about Hugh Marks, one of which... Well, we may have... We weighed up the headline, Who Marks? <laughs> I'm disappointed you didn't go with that, but it was before my time. Look, one of the things was that he's allegedly an excellent golfer. Another one was that he is a content guy, which is what Zoe has just touched on. But interestingly, Fairfax's The Sydney Morning Herald wrote at the time when Hugh Marks was appointed that he was taking on the role at a time of dizzying change, which is exactly what now is. Now is a time of dizzying change and I can only speculate how dizzy Hugh Marks must be today. So he's definitely a content guy, a good golfer, allegedly, uh, and he does have this content background, but it, it's quite a different type of content to the content that Fairfax creates. He's a great fit for Nine. Is he a great fit for Fairfax? You know, we'll have to see. As you allude, Dizzy and Change, what else has been going on in Merger Mania recently? Oh, lots. It's been nonstop. The, everyone, when the media reforms passed, it felt like everyone was just sitting and waiting and watching. And I know that I spoke to the CEO of Southern Cross Oz Stereo, Grant Blackley, and he was the one who said to me, look, we could be a buyer, we could be a seller. Everyone is looking at everyone's books and just waiting and seeing. This is one of the first major moves in terms of the big, big media players that we've seen. But in the outdoor media space, we've had a bit of a bonanza recently where uh, – a number of companies were bidding for Adshell, which is an outdoor street furniture business. So we had O-Media and APN Outdoor both trying to buy Adshell. O-Media was ultimately successful and then international player JC Deco came in, put in a bid for APN Outdoor and, and that's in the works as well. Now these are all subject to ACCC approval and because JC Deco is owned by a is a French company that also has to pass through the Foreign Investment Review Board. But it feels like someone's made the first move and now it could be a bit of a free-for-all. Zoe, there aren't many players left now. It feels a bit like that last slow dance has just come on at the disco. Everyone's pairing up. <laughs> and or, or, the, 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 There's a few wallflowers left, Seven, some of the regional TV networks. Um, where does that leave the last remaining players? Well, it depends on the player you're talking about, doesn't it? I mean, there was always a rumour that it would be a Nine and Fairfax Seven News kind of thing. Whether that would happen now, I think Seven has to clean up its books before. When you say Seven News, Seven and News Corp. News Corp, that's right. Whether Seven actually was, was bought now, perhaps not. It's probably not the right time for them. Because of their debt levels. Yeah, because of their debt levels. And and CEO Tim Warner has been doing a, a big job of cleaning all that up so that it should be looking better uh, when we see the annual results. And I expect about a month. It's going to be a very busy month for me. <laughs> and then you've got other players like Southern Cross Stereo, as Viv mentioned, uh, Here, There and Everywhere, which is formerly APN News and Media, which owns ARN at the moment, Adshell, but maybe not for long. Yes, yeah, so um, selling Adshell, that just leaves them really just with ARN, Australian Radio Network. And Conversant Media. So it has a number of publishing assets as well. My expectation was, I'm actually questioning the future of HT&E as we know it. I think everyone's waiting to watch 
what the ACCC does with those outdoor mergers there. And I think uh, HTE will look to potentially spin out ARN as well. The question is, who wants a radio business now? It's almost like it feels like seven are one of the few ones who could potentially snap it up at the big players. It depends on the price, depends on what it adds to the business, doesn't it? But I well, think you're... The thing is, would they even want it is the other question. Yeah, I think you're onto something there, Zoe, with HT&E here, there and everywhere is almost a bit of a holding group. If it doesn't have AdShell anymore... Do you need to have this big structured holding group, which also has a separate CEO? The speculation is that they will then therefore want to offload Australian Radio Network, which has assets including Kiss FM and, and Gold FM. But Tim Tim's right. Who's, who's going to buy that? Nine and Fairfax will be tied up doing this deal. So they almost have to be sort of excluded from this. And, of course, also because of the Fairfax tie-in with the talk radio stations, they couldn't anyway now. So I I don't know. I don't know who's left. Do you want to buy it? (laughs) I mean, from an advertiser's perspective, I think the rhetoric has been that if there was – everyone's very focused on outdoor and it's massive digital growth. TV's really turned it around this year and Think TV has been – um, credited for a lot of that change you know publishing businesses what well, we've just seen today that Fairfax has been absorbed but where does that leave radio in there I'm not quite sure and I don't know how it would fit into an overall strategy unless you're potentially talking about <laughs> ironically the agreement that HGE has at the moment between Adshell and ARN where you've got um, integrated advertising across assets we're almost out of time um Zoe final question what happens next Small question for you. (laughs) Small question. Uh, Well, what we had today was a proposal. So they've obviously, I think it's something like three months. It should be, they'll be going through the process of finalising that. They obviously need to go to the ACCC. So there's regulatory bodies that are involved in this. Uh, Fairfax has said today that the board of directors are going to unanimously recommend that this goes through. So there shouldn't be any complications. But basically we need the, the merger or if we want to call it takeover, to be finalised. And then what I think we'll see is, you know, some tightening of the assets, potentially staff cuts. It's going to be a time of massive, massive change for both parties. Well, that is it for this special edition of the Mumbrella cast. My thank you to Zoe. Thanks, Tim. To Vivian. I think it's nap time. (laughs) And to Paul. Thank you, Tim. Join us next week when we'll be talking financial marketing with Matt Hingston from Greater Bank, who I chatted to at the Mumbrella Finance Marketing Summit. That's it for now, though. See you then. Toodle pip.